my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. And this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is so good, folks, to be able to be with you once again. Now, look, guys, we'd love to have you uh, join us. Now, look, if you'd like to share a, a positive thought, if you'd like to share a comment on one of the issues that we're discussing, if you'd just like to say hello and uh, I'm hearing you from up in uh, up in Townsville, and we have a wonderful group of people uh, listening to us from Townsville, I know from the responses that we're getting from that, uh, that part of the world, if you'd just like to say hello... Uh, uh, please feel free to uh, to say hello uh, to us. I know um, right around Australia we uh, we are getting uh, a wonderful response. Uh, now, folks, you can actually do that by texting us at uh, 0488-80811. Why not just program that into your phone? 0488-80811. Now, this week... We're going to be asking one of those questions that uh, uh, that many people have wondered about, but so many people actually don't have a- an answer for. Uh, and that question, of course, is how good was God when he created hell? Now, of course, uh, hell is one of those things that's actually not spoken about all that much today in the entire uh, Christian world, and yet it continues on in the very background and uh, does hell exist what is hell and was god good when he created hell that's our subject for uh, uh for today uh now uh, uh our co-host today is uh, marty thompson sorry about that um getting getting distracted today our co-host is uh, marty thompson and marty's the pastor for the uh, grace uh, adventist center and also the sterling adventist church uh, in the lower uh, adelaide hills he's also a trainer for small groups right here in uh, in south australia now welcome to you marty Hey, it's good to be here, Pastor Gary. I'm, I'm in the other seat today. That's right. We've swapped seats today. I'm, I've come back to the main seat and uh, to the one that drives the equipment. You've gone back to the yeah, other seat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to be back in the studio again, yeah. and we're going to play musical chairs again Sounds because good. Uh, you I'm know excited. I mean, uh, it's really good to be able to have somebody who can uh, actually uh, drive the uh, the machinery uh, as well as uh, lead the Bible oh, study. It's exciting. I'm great grateful to be here, Pastor Gary, and it's um, it's starting to cool down a bit here. In Adelaide, you know, I, I've been talking to family back over in Kempsey, New South Wales, and the mid north coast, and they tell me how balmy it is, and I just, I just uh, tell I us just where no is hometown for you? Hometown for me is um, probably actually Kurumbong in a way, a, a little town in um, in New South Wales. It's kind of between, kind of between Newcastle and Sydney, yep. in the yep. Hunter region area, and um, that's where I grew up. But uh, recently came from from uh, Kempsey, New South Wales, which is probably more people are familiar with Port Macquarie, Coffs Harbour. Kempsey's uh, just north. So of that's Port where your Macquarie. family is now. My wife's family is actually still back there in uh, in 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 Kempsey. Yeah, you should bring yeah, them yeah, down yeah. here. 
That would be wonderful, but I think they're really getting themselves set up. You know, they're they're um yeah, you know, they're improving their property. They're really putting their roots down there, Pastor Gary. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I tell you, I mean, to me, uh, I I know that area actually very very well because uh, for some for some years I actually uh, did uh, did serve in pastoral ministry in uh, what is the the North New South Wales uh, mm-hmm. administrative area there, and uh, certainly I had uh, a number of occasions where we were travelling up uh, through through Kempsey to uh, uh, a major campground that we've uh, that, that uh, certainly the Seventh Day Adventist Church owns mm-hmm. uh, there at uh, Stewart's uh, Point and yeah. Yarra Happeny yeah. and uh, I know for a number of years I was running uh, youth camps uh, based out of uh, Yarra Happeny and that was an incredible uh, experience. Yeah. yeah, it is a beautiful grounds. But hey, we love it here in Adelaide. Our families we can we we believe God's led us here. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. that's that's where you want to be in life, isn't it? You know, no, it's not about all the. It's you know, weather. Good weather's great. Let's not, yeah, you know, yeah. but. Being where God wants you to be is that is the best place to be. I'm interested you actually say that because, you know, one of the things that I really feel incredibly blessed with, uh, certainly now after 40 years in ministry, is I've, uh, I think I've lived now in eight or nine uh, different, uh, different locations. And, uh, one of the things I've really appreciated is the benefit of being able to minister in so many different regions and in so many different roles. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I would encourage people that uh, perhaps if you, you know, if you're getting that stage of life where you're starting to say, hey, you know, uh, what what should I be doing? Uh, you know, just sometimes, you know, I've actually, I'm I mean, over the weekend, I actually encouraged uh, one one young man. I, I said, look, you know, you really, you know, it's worth considering ministry because no two days are the same. You can be guaranteed that every day uh, mm-hmm. is going to be uh, going to be Absolutely. something different. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who would have thought just a few years ago yeah. that I'd be running radio programs? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, dear. Look, let me just come to our uh, World Watch segment because there's a couple of que- there's a question I'd love to be able uh, to ask to ask to you, particularly as a, as a young father. I came across this um, this article. This is in the the Denison Report, and uh, it was entitled "How Cultural Events of Today Are Undermining the Foundations," and uh, it's not a long Article is only about two paragraphs long, but I'd love to get your particular feedback on it. Then there's another article I'd just like to bounce off you as well. And uh, this is what uh, what this article says: uh, Disneyland is announcing its first official Pride Night for this June. There will be a parade with Mickey Mouse and other characters dressed in special attire, dance parties, and special dining and merchandise. Participants are encouraged to proudly display your true colours and be your unique and fabulous self. This is not to be confused, says the article, with Gay Days, which will be run at Disney World and other Orlando area avenues from May 31 through to June 4. Nor should it be confused with the Disneyland Paris Pride event on June 17 or with the Disney Pride collection of merchandise. Every day's news brings more examples of our society's rejection 
of biblical morality. Now, you know, to, to me, the thing I'd love to sort of throw to you, I mean, and this is something that, I mean, certainly in my day when I was uh, bringing up our, our children, Disneyland was one, and Disney was one of those uh, go-to uh, entertainment uh, programs that if you went there, you knew that your, your children were actually comparatively safe because Disney supported the basic morality of our society. Now, here, this is... This is so far beyond what is in my mind uh, as encapsulating the traditional Disney. Now, look, what I'm trying to, I suppose, I just wanted to throw at you. How does the parent, because you've got young, young children yourself, how does the parent of a young family deal with these changes? It's a good question, Gary. And, and as parents, we have to wrestle with this. You know, you have to think what... What are we aiming for as parents? What are we aiming for with the raising of our children? Do we want them to just fit into the society around them? Or do we long for them to follow follow God, follow His yeah, Word? Yeah. And ultimately, the first thing I think we have to realize as parents is that we are responsible. Mm-hmm. We have to recognize that we are responsible. You know, there's, I think there's a, there's a real push and a real trend to just, you know, oh, you know, let, ask the child, what do they want to do? And, and this kind of thing. My mum was, a, was a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. And she would sometimes say to me that, um, as she would interact with some of the kids and their parents, she would ask, who's the parent in this relationship? Who's yeah. the parent here? Who's the one who it's a good is, question, is isn't supposed it? to have the wisdom? Who's supposed to have the experience to know this is going to be something that's going to help you as a as you know uh, as a young person, and this is something that's going to hinder you as a young person mm, in your development. Mm, mm. I think really it starts in the very young ages, and for us. Our, the, the burden on our heart as parents is we long for our children to grow up having a close relationship with God, believing in His Word, and following the plan that God has for their life. And we recognize that society is moving away from that. Therefore, we have to be intentional. Mm. We, you know, we every morning and every evening we'll have family worship. Um, so we'll open the Bible, we'll read the Bible stories to the kids. We, we just spend, we try and spend time with the, our kids as much as we can, um, to build a strong relationship because we know that in the years to come, that, uh, you know, kids once, once they probably get to age 10 and, 10 and up, they're starting to move more towards their friends and, mm, mm. and that's where they're getting a lot of their information from and that's where they're getting a lot of their advice from. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's not, that's often not a good place to be getting their advice from. Mm, mm. And so to be able to have a strong, strong relationship so they can feel like they can confide in you. They can feel like home is a safe place. It's a fun place. Mm. Um, I think it, that's, I think it starts. Starts very young, doesn't it? Young. What you're actually saying there. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it yeah. starts very young. The other thing I think is once your kids do get to that age where they're starting to maybe question and push the boundaries a little bit, once again, if you, if you have had, if you've got a relationship with your children, I think we've just got to remember, once again, we're the parents. We're the yeah, parents here. Yeah, yeah. We're not their friends, as in, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, what I'm no, no, right? I think you make we're, it. We're not, we're not just buddies. We're actually parents. And therefore, 
we're there to say we we know their character. A parent should know the character of their child, especially a mum. You know they've seen their child develop from from just t- a tiny baby, mm. newborn. To, they've seen them through every phase of life, and so they know their character. They know their strengths and their weaknesses better than anybody else. And they should be able to know, oh, kids want to go to this party or the kids want to go to this event and they mm-hmm. want to go to that. Parents should be able to say, look, son, daughter, um, I know you well enough to, to know that you going there isn't actually going to be a good fit. Yeah. It sounds yeah. exciting right now, um, but I know that it's going to really, it's going to put a lot of pressure on you. It's going to conflict with a lot of our values as a family. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and uh, yeah, and make it make a decision. I think you make actually some really good points there. Particularly, I, I really like your you know that question. You know, who is the parent here? Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, uh, certainly, I appreciate also that you you're actually pointing out that you know as parents we're actually in a very unique role. You know, I I, I know myself that uh, that was certainly something that uh, my, both myself, my work, what my wife functioned with right the time through the time my children were growing up. But you know, when your children become adults, and that is the point, then your children are able to become your friends at uh, at, yeah. at that point. Yeah, that's a transition right. That's right. has to occur there. You know, you are no longer functioning as a parent. Now you function yeah, as a friend. That's right. That's at, right. At a, you know, once they, uh, once they have, have grown. But, and you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of is that, uh, parents that don't function as parents are actually doing a disservice to their children. Unfortunately, I think there is a, there is a trend that can easily happen, particularly where there is relationship challenges within a marriage and, and you know, parents want their children to, to like them and and want to be on the on on side with their children and but the reality is there is often a, there is often a lot of children who parents give them whatever they want and they 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 you know they they really just um fuss over them give them what they want but the more they do that the more ungrateful the child becomes yeah, yeah, and yeah. and this doesn't win over. The difficult um, thing is, is long term confidence. One of the real difficulties is when this occurs, uh, when particularly there's been a, a marriage, a marriage breakup. You know, you can actually, that's right. you know, that's right. uh, parents can attempt to bring win their children over, uh, maybe by you know being you know uh, being a person's mate uh, rather than being being their parent and. Absolutely, and and I and I've seen situations where that has happened, mm. and in the younger years, that the the children tend to be tend to gravitate towards the parent who gives them what they want and all that kind of yeah. thing, gives them yeah. the freedom. But in older years, interestingly, they yeah. actually then gravitate back to the parent who was more more firm, more disciplined, yeah. because they recognise. Hopefully, they they recognise that actually. They were actually much more stable. They're, you know, usually they've probably made better decisions financially, etc., compared to you know a parent who is who is much more, um, yeah, just 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 giving the reins of freedom over to their young children too quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it, it, this is complicated. You know, I, I'm certainly not. Um, you know, I, my heart goes out to. Parents, yeah. it's it's not easy. And look, There's so many challenges, but I I do believe that as parents, we need to come back and say we are the parent. There's um, 
no excuse really for just letting kids just do whatever they want and then, you know, let them, oh, it's their decision. To abdicate the responsibility of a parent is possibly the greatest misstep a parent can take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I know I, as a, uh, I'm now a grandfather, but, uh, uh, I actually really feel, uh, for, for those who are bringing up, uh, younger, you know, small children now, uh, when I read articles about, you know, for example, Disney, uh, the challenges are so much greater mm-hmm. than what they were just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the support of, uh, so much of society is certainly no longer, no yeah, longer there. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Faith First. The uh, the song is uh, "Where There uh, Is Faith." Please, uh, please enjoy.
Faith First, uh, Where There Is Faith. Beautiful, beautiful uh, song. It's wonderful to be back with you. This is Faith FM Drive Time. And we want to do a big shout out to our friend Julie, who's uh, up in uh, Townsville. Thank you so much for the affirmation that you've uh, you've sent uh, through to us. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. I used to live in Townsville many years, uh, years ago. I spent four years up in uh, Townsville there. Beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, uh, city. Uh, I remember going past Castle Hill there. So many... Uh, uh, so many times, a mountain right in the middle of the uh, uh, of the town, and uh, uh, we uh, we certainly functioned uh, in uh, in youth ministry up in up in that part of the world. I can remember uh, camping down in the in the Whit Sundays, and uh, uh, people couldn't believe that I had the privilege of uh, leading youth camps in the Whit Whit Sundays. But uh, it's a lovely part of the world up there. Uh, I've got to admit, uh, one uh, does uh, uh, envy people who who live up in uh, that part of the world when you're into the middle of uh, the Adelaide <laughs> Adelaide winter, but uh, such it is. Uh, guys, now look, we do have a giveaway uh, for you today. Now, this book uh, is dealing with the subject that we're dealing this week. Now, look, if you've got any questions about this subject, this is the book that you need to grab. Now, the book's entitled Judgment and Hell, God May Be Kinder Than You Think. Now, that's the subtitle. This is a real beauty. Now, look, guys, I'm just so conscious that so many people have, a I would suggest, a warped uh, sense of what God is really like because of their understanding of this issue of, of hell. And yet, when you dig into the scriptures, what you find is that hell is presented in a way that is so contrary to that uh, middle age uh, descriptions that we, we so often hear. The book's entitled Judgment and hell god may be kinder than you think it's down to earth language it's woven it's woven into a skillful yet pragmatic bible study jim Eyre shines the light of bible truth to reveal a god who always acts with justice mercy and most importantly love and fairness this book is one that i believe you could you could actually give away if you know someone who's got questions about this subject now look guys if you would like this uh, book Judgment and Hell God may be kinder than you think all you need to do is to text us at our studio text number now our studio text number is 04 808 11 that number again is 04 808 11 and all you need to do is to put into the uh, into the subject line the code SA120 SA120. No gap between the SA and the one and the 120, uh, because this will go through to our robot, and it'll be our robot that will uh, respond to you. He'll ask you uh, a few a few questions, uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest possible way. Uh, that uh, drive time text number again is o four triple eight. 80811 and the code is SA120 but no gap between the SA and the uh, and the 120 you will love this particular book it will answer the questions that you may have uh, on uh, on this particular uh, subject and it's uh, wonderful to see uh, people uh, already uh, texting in for this uh, for this beaut uh, uh, for this beaut book now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Marty Thompson who pastors the Grace and the Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church is right here in Adelaide and this week 
we're asking this significant question, how good was God when he created hell? And this is a subject that it confuses, Marty, so many people. Now, just help us out. Was God good when he created hell? Maybe you want to tell us what hell is. I mean, is hell the big fiery spot away down at the center of the earth somewhere? I yeah, but this is a good question. You know, the, the subject of hell, like you're saying before, Pastor Gary, seems to be one of those topics that people are not, particularly Christians, are not talking about that much. And so it's, um, I, I suppose that's because it's, uh, it's not a popular subject. Um, and yet when you understand it from the Bible, it's actually remarkable. It's a, it's actually very different to the common perception that is uh, the popular view of of hellfire and and I, I suppose I, c- I could begin by saying that um, the Bible is very clear that God first of all wants everyone to be saved mm-hmm. God wants everybody mm-hmm. to be saved God the Bible says in second Peter 3 and verse 9 I'm just turning there in my Bible and um, we need to from the outset we need to recognize that God doesn't want people to serve him out of fear. Yeah. God is not interested in people simply ticking religious boxes because they're worried that they're going to end up in hell. That's not a relationship with God. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's not a relationship at all. Imagine a relationship with, with a spouse like that that's mm-hmm. based on, oh, you know, if I don't do the right thing, they're going to get angry at me and hurt me. So there's that, going to be a big stick there somewhere so that, hey, look, you know, if I do the wrong thing, clobber, clobber, clobber. <laughs> I mean, this... This is this is a warped view, as you were yeah. saying. So second second Peter three nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God's desire is that all would turn away from evil and turn to Christ, that mm. they would be saved. In the book of Ezekiel, I won't read the text, but Ezekiel writes and says that God has no delight in the destruction of the wicked. Mm-hmm. So this idea that somehow God has put um, put the devil on the divine payroll to, to sort of manage hell mm. and torment evil you know, sinners for, throughout eternity, it starts to raise some serious questions in our mind mm. as to whether this is just simple is is this a is this a medieval church uh, doctrine that has come down to us that hasn't been questioned because it's because it's so old, or um, or is it in fact something that yeah we need to look into to investigate to actually come to the truth on this subject? You know, one of the most convincing texts that I think in the Bible that tells us that there um that hell can't possibly be something that will burn on forever uh-huh. throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity is found in the book of Revelation chapter 21. Uh-huh. In Revelation 21, here is the apostle John. He's received visions from God. He's he's wrote the book of Revelation. And in Revelation 21 verse 4, he describes a scene of that that we all long for. Mm. It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, mm. nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, 
For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Now the question I have is, how could this text be true? How could God in it, God inspire the prophet, the apostle John, to write these words and say there's going to come a time where there's no sorrow, no oh. crying, and no more pain. How could that be true if, in fact, people were being tormented in hellfire? Yeah, no, look, that's a, that is actually a really good question, I think, there, actually, Marty, because, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's actually coming down to very much the, the character of God, isn't it? You know, I mean, God, at the last uh, two chapters of the Bible talk about the earth being recreated. The first three chapters talk about the original creation. You get the original creation followed by the fall of humanity. You get the story of salvation right through the Bible. Then in the last two chapters, you get... Uh, earth restored and recreated and hence you get this verse that you have just shared with us but it certainly appears that when things are recreated and re-restored at the end that there's no pain no suffering no struggle this is you know there is apparently uh, no evidence of hell absolutely look and there is not going to be hell happening when there is perfection restored. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Bible does talk about a lake of fire. It does talk about the destruction of the wicked. The Bible does say that, but it doesn't. It doesn't um, paint a picture of a place in the center of the earth, as, 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 as has been believed throughout the centuries, where where evil people are being tormented throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. That picture does not exist in the Bible. In fact, there's about 182 verses mm-hmm. in Scripture that clearly state that when the wicked are destroyed, they're gone. Mm-hmm. It uses words like, they vanish away, perish, gone, destroyed, consumed, etc. Those are the types of words that the scriptures use over and over again. There are a few scriptures that that when you read it on face value, sometimes it can appear as though it's describing this eternal place of torment where there's burning throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. And that's what I'm going to be dealing with tomorrow. So you, yeah, okay, good. Good, okay, that's that's good to know because these are important texts that we don't want to shy away from. We Correct. want to look yes. at them yes. and understand them correctly because when they are understood correctly, they harmonize with all that other vast majority of very clear texts. Yes. By the way, for our listeners, you know, when you study the Bible... Here's a general principle. You start with the clear texts on a subject and you help, and they will help you to make sense of the texts that aren't so clear, if that makes sense. Some, like, the subject of hell is a good example for this. The subject of death, which we covered last week, was another good example of this. There are many clear verses in the Bible that deal with these subjects. Then there are some other verses that make us go, wait on a second, what's that really saying? Yeah, yeah. But it's good to, yeah, it's good to work from the clear to the unclear, not the other way around. You don't want to build your beliefs 
based on a few unclear texts. And this uh, th- this point that you make, I think, is a really key one, and I'd encourage our listeners to actually pick up on this. This is actually, you know, the theologians call this their hermeneutic. It's a big fancy word there. It just basically <laughs> means how do I interpret yeah. uh, the Word of God? And this is an important principle that you've laid down there. Allow the clear passages of a scripture to inform passages which aren't quite as clear. Let me read something that's a bit in your face, Gary. You know, this is what a lot of the preachers, even though many churches today don't necessarily talk too much about hell, this is essentially capturing what they believe. Because this is, uh, this is a quote from, um, what hell will be like. This is not what I believe. This is not what the scripture teaches, but I'm reading to you what a, uh, what a, what a particular theologian said about what hell would be like. And he says, um, this is what he says. He says, in the kingdom to come, there is a large and broad valley with a multitude of lost souls are suffering all the torments of the damned. They, the saints, see friends, relatives, mother, Father, brother, sister, husband, or wife in torment. This is a feast for their eyes. Really? A feast for their eyes? That's ridiculous. I'll continue the quote. See, it is a pitiful sight. The little child is in the red-hot oven. Hear how it screams to come out. See how it turns and twists itself about in the fire. It beats its head against the roof of the oven. It stamps its little feet on the floor of the oven. You can see on the face of this little child what you see on the faces of all in hell. Despair, desperate, and horrible, and I'll just finish the quotation there, Gary. It's interesting. It's interesting, you know. This particular quote actually comes. I think it's from about the 1860s, and uh, it actually comes as from a pamphlet that was written by uh, by a minister of religion for the benefit of his uh, Sunday school students. You know, to me, I'm sort of looking at this and turning around and say, "Hey, to be presenting this to a." Uh, to, to my children, this is this is this is what nightmares are made out of. This, this is this, this is, is child abuse. This is absolutely it is. In fact, I believe that there are people who have perhaps gone down the track of of insanity. Yeah, because they've dwelt on this subject. If yes. you think about this and take it to its logical end, that there are literally people right now, this very instant, being tormented in hellfire, yeah. and it'll never cease. Yeah, it'll yeah. never stop. And simply Forever. because they had the disadvantage of being born before people like Adolf Hitler, people like Adolf Hitler, who everyone agrees has uh, gone to uh, gone to hell. If you actually believe this uh, this particular belief, well, he has got uh, six thousand years less punishment than somebody who died maybe before the flood. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you look right. at this. Yeah, you say, it's hey, illogical. This is, this is an, it, totally illogical. It's illogical. You know, and this idea is so cruel, so illogical, so so evil, really, has turned many people away from God. And that is what a lot of people don't realise, that there are many famous atheists used as their primary argument against God this particular belief. Absolutely. Who it's would want to believe more, in a God like this? You wouldn't, you wouldn't. And that's the, that's the point. If somebody was to say to me, look, how can you believe in a God who torments people forever in, in hellfire, I would say to them, that's not the God that I believe in, yeah, because that's yeah. not the God of the Bible. Okay, okay, that's not the God of the Bible. Let's 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 look at another text on this Malachi, Malachi chapter uh, chapter four, 
And I'm going to read from verse verse 1. Malachi is actually the last book of the Old Testament. So if you're in the book of Matthew, just go back one book and you'll be in Malachi. Malachi 4 verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now, notice the wording in this statement. It is clear that there will be a destruction of the wicked. And you get that in the lake of fire that we read about in Revelation 21, 20, 22. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to take place, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't last forever. It says the wicked will be like stubble. That's like, that's like grass that gets thrown into a fire. It burns up very quickly. It's like dried straw. It, it, it burns up very quickly. And then it says very clearly that will leave them neither root nor branch. Mm. So this is essentially saying that w- what is God trying to communicate here to us through his word? God is saying that when he destroys the wicked, he will destroy it completely. Those who have chosen to align themselves with, uh, with, with Satan and his principles will be destroyed. The devil and his angels will be destroyed. Mm. The devil is not in charge of hell. The devil is actually thrown into the lake of fire. And he himself, you could, if, if he's the root and his followers are the branches, this text is saying they're all destroyed in that lake of fire. Wow. And that to me is the thing that gives incredible hope because there are so many times I've sort of seen pictures of, you know, the devil is almost pictured as an accomplice with God. He's always, he's pictured as being, a, uh, you know, this picture of a devil. He's got a, uh, he's holding a pitchfork on one hand. Uh, he's got a red suit on and he's got horns growing out of his, I mean, that's the, that, that's the, the textbook picture. These, these cartoon, yeah, and these, um, almost child you know, childish um, portrayals of the devil. I'm sure the devil is very happy with that because people then don't take take him seriously. Mm. And um, but but the the scriptures indicate to us a God who is powerful enough to destroy evil. This is the probably perhaps one of the key issues that I I believe. Um, is with the doctrine of eternal torment in hell. It teaches of a God who is powerless to destroy evil. He actually is incapable. It's either one of two options. Either he's a tyrant and he's actually, you know, he's stoking the fire himself Mm -hmm. and keeping it alive by his own divine power, or he's powerless to destroy, or he's powerless to actually eradicate evil from the universe. Whereas what scripture says is that the time will come when evil will be uh, taken from the, from the universe, uh, and there's going to be a lake of fire, but it is of limited extent, and it's a cleansing fire. That's right. It's you know, a, when, when I was young, well, yeah. one of the things that uh, uh, my in those days you were allowed to have a, a fire in your backyard. I grew up in Sydney, and I can well remember my, my father on numerous occasions. Everybody had in their backyard their own incinerator, and I can well remember uh, my father uh, lighting the fire once a week to dispose of uh, you know that which was was refuse of household refuse that's what he would do it was a cleansing fire it, it, it is a cleansing fire that's right we need to understand what is the purpose of hellfire yeah 
its its purpose is is to make the world new. Mm-hmm. Its purpose is to recreate this earth. A good God wouldn't allow evil to continue on forever. Yeah. So yeah. God gives every person a period of time. We have a lifetime in which to make our decision, either for God or against God. And, um, and, and at death we get, you know, as we learnt last week, a person is able to, to sleep in the, in the grave until finally there is a resurrection. And Christ calls it in John's gospel, a resurrection of condemnation or a resurrection of, uh, of life. Of life. You know, you yeah, get, you get right. both of them. But look, let's come to some music and then we'll come back and uh, tie it all together. This is Laura's story. Uh, the song is, uh, Grace. Please, uh, please enjoy, uh, this, uh, this particular song. so proud My mind is so unfocused I see the things you do for me as great things I have done And now you gently break me The price that I 
is God's grace and how much the character of God shines through in this particular teaching. Now, look, guys, we do have that uh, that giveaway book. Now, I can recommend it to you. Uh, if you would like uh, your copy of this uh, book is Judgment and Hell, God May Be Kinder Than You Think. Uh, this is a book that, look, if you've got friends who have got questions about this entire issue of hell, they're saying, hey, look, you know, who would want to serve a God like that? Then this is a book that you need to pick up. Judgment and Hell, God May Be Kinder than you think and uh, if you'd like your own copy of this book all you need to do is to text us now our drive time text number uh, is 04888 808 11 04888 80811 and our code for today is SA120. Now no it's no gap between the SA and the 120, just five digits in a row, SA120 and uh, that'll go through to our robot and our robot will uh, get a few details off you so that we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, way way possible. Uh, so that number again is 04888 80811 and uh, the code is SA120 and the book is Judgment and Hell God may be kinder than you than you think. Uh, this is a this is a really beautiful book. I'd recommend it uh, to you. Uh, now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary, and this week we're asking how good was God when He created hell. It's one of those questions that just confuses so many people. Now, uh, Marty, we've got about eight minutes to pull it all together, uh, and of course tomorrow I'm going to be dealing with this subject. How do we deal? Deal with this, these uh, repetitious phrases in Scripture that talk about forever and ever, hell burning forever and ever. We're going to be talking about that one tomorrow. So if you want us to dig into that subject, please join us on, on that occasion. But Marty, we're about eight minutes. Bring it all together for us. Yeah, I, I, I'm coming to the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. It's just such a clear text. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So, Gary, Jesus couldn't be clearer. There's no part of a person, body or soul, that survives hell. Mm -hmm. In hellfire, the wicked are completely consumed. 
And uh, we read he, this in other parts. Fear him who is able to destroy, to destroy both body, body and, and soul in, in hell. hell. So hell, hell is that um, is that lake of fire described in Revelation chapter twenty that destroys or consumes the wicked. In fact, when you read Revelation chapter twenty, it tells you that the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Yeah, use that word devour or consume. In fact. One of the best, in fact, I would say the best book written on this subject, which uh, is quite a quite a theological book, and it goes through the the, the biblical and historical um, understanding of this subject, is called "The Fire That Consumes" by mm-hmm. uh, Edward Fudge, and that is, you know, that's a book that will. If you're wanting to really go deep, um, that's a book that you can read. It's not written by a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, there are many uh, theologians who have studied this subject. They've put the bias aside. They've put um, just the what their church says aside, and they've gone to the Scriptures, and they've found the truth on this particular subject. And it's subject. interesting, actually, Marty. In recent years, there's actually been a major drift back uh, to the scriptural understanding of hell because people have realized that uh, you know it's simply the uh, this, uh, this this description of a hell that burns forever and ever and ever and fries little children forever you know it just simply doesn't fit in with what the scriptures paint the picture they paint of uh, the character of God absolutely it does it doesn't fit you can't put the two together and um, and I think that's really what's at stake here because our picture of God will determine the way that we live our lives during mm. the medieval times. That when the church clearly believed, with all you know, they believed very much in a God who tormented and who burnt people, you know, forever in hellfire. That's you know that same church didn't didn't uh, shy away from burning people at the stake. Yeah, they didn't shy yeah. away from crusades and killing heretics, you know, and so our our theology and what we believe about God will inform our practice. Yeah, now I'm not saying today that people who believe in this this subject are about to go out and commit some kind of a crime, but what I am saying is that it does impact our picture of of God. And it can impact the way we treat others. I remember knocking on a door, Gary, and um, talking to the, this this lady. And uh, anyway, we were doing we I was actually doing a spiritual survey, and and we got into a conversation uh, about hellfire. And she made some comments about some people that she didn't really like, and that mm. uh, that she was uh, looking forward to one day seeing them suffering in hell. Mm. And I just cringed. I was, you know, I was only about 19 at the time. And I just, I just, my heart just sort of, I just thought, wow, you know, is that, is that Jesus? Is that, is she showing the character of Jesus? This isn't, this is not the, uh, the biblical picture. And there are, like I was saying before, there are many other texts. You know, by the way, that same text, that says, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. It actually continues and it goes on and says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. In other words, God is acquainted mm. with us personally. Mm. And um, and it, it even talks about the fact that when a bird falls to the ground, God notices. It mm. touches God's heart, mm. even if a little sparrow falls to the ground. And so then Jesus says, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Mm. You see, God doesn't want us to serve him out of fear. Yeah, He wants us to serve him because he 
because we love him. He wants us to serve him because he's a God who is our creator. He's all powerful. He's our, he's our judge. He is um, going to take, you know, he's the one who holds our eternal destiny in his hand. And he is going to hold us accountable. He is going to hold us accountable. We're responsible for the moral choices that we make. Yes. There's no doubt about that. But the penalty for for rebellion against the God of heaven is ultimately going to be destruction, not... Uh, eternal burning. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a quotation here and I think it's just, it, it, it summarizes quite beautifully the importance of, um, uh, of, of having this, uh, the correct understanding of hellfire and says, the sinner could not be happy in God's presence. He would shrink from the companionship of holy angels. Could he permit, be permitted to enter heaven? It would have no joy for him. Heaven would be to him a place of torture. Interesting. Mm. Mm. He would long to be hidden from him, God, who is light and the center of heaven's joy. It is no arbitrary decree on the part of God that excludes the wicked from heaven. They are shut out by their own unfitness for its companionship. The glory of God would be to them a consuming fire. They would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. And so when I look at the fact that there will be those who um yeah the God the, the scriptures are clear. God is is God is passionate about our free will. God isn't going to force people to follow him. And those who you know to you know God isn't going to force people to be saved um but neither is he, but neither is he uh, going to punish people in hell forever and and i think this is this is good news when we understand this correctly that there is a that the bible speaks of a god who loves us with an everlasting love who gave his only son to pay the price for our sins a god who is a god of justice who will at some point bring evil to an end but uh, but a god who also welcomes us into a relationship with him that begins both now and will continue on through to all eternity. So, yeah. Gary, I, I just really pray that people, you know, the folks and the friends that are listening today, um, that will really study this for themselves and and go to their Bibles and and um, and and put in an order for this book that you've mentioned before because yeah. this is a subject. I remember one lady when. Um, Wow, when we were doing a Bible study on this subject and she understood that, you know, this, this correctly and she just, she just said, wow, my heart has been filled with so much peace. She was so fearful of, mm. of being, of, of this idea of hellfire and this mm. picture of God that mm. she had. And it just has so much power, mm. you know, to, mm. to free us. Yeah, it's you know. powerful. It's powerful. Let me just pray, um, pr- pray for our, for our listeners. Father yeah. in heaven, Lord, come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for being the God uh, who cares. Lord, thank you for being the God who's given us choice. Lord, thank you for not being a vindictive God. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for uh, revealing to us your character in this understanding. Lord, I just pray for anyone who might be struggling with this subject right now. Lord, I pray that your spirit might touch them. Lord, I pray uh, that your spirit might direct them. Uh, Lord, indeed, that your word might be open to them. Lord, these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Well, Marty, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining uh, Pastor Gary on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when uh, I, I will be back here again. I'll be chatting with Marty once again and we'll be responding to the question, does hell burn forever? We're going to be looking at those uh, the quest, uh, th- those texts that so many people point to. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.